to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. just remind you guys, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, I encourage you uh, to listen to the, the message from a couple of weeks ago that kind of is setting the course for uh, really, I think, something that God has put on uh, my heart for us corporately as a, as a or communally, I should say, uh, as a church, but also individually. And uh, if I could sum it up in just a little phrase, it would be this, that this will be a year of goodness, a year of God's goodness. And um, I'm not talking about just, you know, happy, clappy, positive thinking alone, although positive thinking, I would say, is better than negative thinking, right? Um, but, you know, we're now two weeks into the new year, and how many of you know all that initial new year energy, that's already long gone, <laughs> right? That's all long gone. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, everybody's yelling out what they're believing for, which is awesome. Uh, I hope we're still believing for that. I hope we're still standing on that. And um, I, I really felt a couple of weeks ago that God gave me that word out of uh, Psalm 65, verse 11, that God crowns the year with His goodness. Not my goodness, not your goodness, not even the goodness of the world we live in, because life's not always good. But it's His goodness. He crowns the year with His goodness, and all His paths drip with abundance. And I believe, ultimately, that's not just external abundance. I believe it's, it's abundance of spirit. It's abundance of soul. It's abundance of heart. And so I want to encourage you just to hold on to that, to meditate that on that. And I actually printed off uh, that blessing. I had a couple of people ask me, hey, can you write that out? And so I wrote that blessing out. And uh, you can take this if you want to use it as a paper airplane. You can do that. But if you want to take this, honestly, I, I just believe that there's, um, you know, it's important to meditate on something. And, you know, a seed, how many of you know a seed only bears fruit if it stays in the soil? You, you, you don't get a harvest on a part-time seed, you know? And so you got to let the seed stay in the soil of your heart. And that's not just what I said, but ultimately it's the Word of God. So out there on the connection bar, we've got these uh, papers, blessing for the new year, and just those things that I believe we should all be praying, that we should be declaring over our lives. So I want to encourage you to get this. Uh, look up the Scriptures. Meditate on it. Get it in your heart. Uh, get it in your mouth. Get it in your home on a cloudy day. If you're a, if you're a sunny day person, you may need to pull this out, okay? So wherever you want to put it, put it on your fridge, wherever you need it, but I think it will bless you. And uh, then the second thing I want to mention, I think everybody is aware of our Vision Builders 2022 uh, initiative. We shared this with you last month of uh, what we are believing God for in this year as we move forward towards the completion of our building project. And uh, even this week, we had some great progress in the permit uh, process. So I want to encourage you to continue to pray. If you want to know how to pray, just pray, God, give the permits quickly, okay? And uh, Brad and JD will say amen to that because they've been working behind the scenes so diligently. I got to tell you, there's a lot of stuff that goes on uh, behind the scenes that are very detailed. So thank you guys again for all that you do. But um, I, I want to encourage you. We shared this vision of what we're believing God for, a big goal. Uh, and, and, and that is um, really the gap between where we're at and what we're believing God for to complete the project uh, would be about $500,000. Now, um, you know, in the natural, you hear that, and, and that's a big goal, but we've got a big God. Amen. Yes, we've got a big God. God is able, and uh, God's able to do it. And, and that doesn't mean that we've got to have $500,000 cash. Uh, there's more than one way for God to do it. He could, send the, he could send the ravens of the air to bring it. He could, uh, he could just send the angels to work on it. Uh, but how many of you know God likes to involve us? I, I don't know if you realize that. God likes to partner with us. And so we are partnering with God. I've encouraged you to be praying about uh, if God would have you to give, what God would have you to give. We're not going to have any arm twisting. We're not going to have any uh, locking the doors, you know, re to receive the offering sort of moment. Um, <laughs> if you've been in one of those churches, you know what that is. That's not receiving an offering. That's taking an offering. We're not going to do that, but we are going to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And so I just want to give you a, a, a reminder uh, as we've shared that vision with you, whatever God puts on your heart, just to be obedient to that. 
Uh, you don't have to give anything more. You don't need to give anything less than what God puts on your heart. And we're going to uh, just take action in obedience to that. We want to give the opportunity for all of us to be obedient to whatever God puts on our heart. And so uh, throughout this project, on the last gathering every month, the last time that we're here uh, every month, which would typically be, we're here the first and third Sundays, typically, when there is a fifth Sunday, we're also here the fifth Sunday. So there is a fifth Sunday this month. So we'll be receiving the offering, uh, our vision builders offering, first Vision Builders offering of 2022 uh, on the, I believe it's the 30th of this month in two weeks. So anyway, that will be awesome. So you can be prepared for that. If you don't have one of these, uh, stop by the Connections Bar and you can grab one and uh, that would be great. One more thing I've got to say, got to run through all of the things and that is I need to recognize uh, some family and friends that we have here and that's Ben and Gina Hansen. And uh, Ben and Gina, I won't make you stand up, but just give everybody a wave. Uh, Ben and Gina, uh, Gina is Jen's sister. And they are here visiting from Austin, Texas, and uh, an incredible blessing uh, to us. And uh, they were friends before they were family. And uh, they're people, I I talked a few weeks ago about you need to get around people that make what God's put on the inside of you come alive. And they are that kind of people. So we're so blessed by them and love them so much. And so if you see them, uh, you can greet them. All right? Well, if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Exodus 32, Exodus 32, and uh, while I take a sip of water, we are going to begin a a little season at the beginning of this year, and I I call it a season more than a series. I I believe it's a season, but it is also a, a, a series, and that is a season that we call Temple, and that is uh, really the heart behind it is that we are just wanting at the beginning of the year to take time uh, just to make room in our lives for God to move. Uh, we are wanting to clear away some of the, the, the schedule clutter. We want to clear away some of the mental clutter. We want to clear away some of the spiritual clutter uh, so that God can, can move into our lives. And so we are setting, starting today, 21 days uh, that we want to encourage you to take time to seek the Lord in prayer, in fasting, in scripture, in meditation, in worship. Uh, we're going to share with you some specific ways that you can do that. And uh, also, if you don't have the Jesus Life Plan, that's a great little guidebook that you can use uh, for spiritual disciplines during this season. But uh, really what we're about in this season is not about what we're doing, but really about opening up our hearts for God to move. And um, so I want to just pray as we get into the Word and, and kind of set the course for where we're going to go uh, in this season. So would you pray with me as we uh, prepare for the Word this morning? Father, we thank you. Lord, what a privilege it is, God. What a privilege, what an honor it is, Lord, to serve you. And God, we thank you, Lord, that as we have come into this new year, God, we thank you that you are good. God, we thank you that what you do is good and what you have for us is good. And Lord, we pray that there would be a uh, stirring of our hearts, God, in faith to receive everything you have for us. Lord, I pray now that you would anoint me. Holy Spirit, come, fill me, help me, let my words be your words. I pray your anointing upon every person. I pray there would be an an attentiveness, an openness of heart and mind. Father, thank you, Lord, that this is not just my word, but it's your word. And Father, we ask that it would bear fruit in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to look today at this passage of Scripture. And as we start this temple season uh, and kind of moving on from that theme of a year of goodness, uh, I want to kind of springboard off of that. And I want to look at this passage of Scripture in just a second. But I want to talk today about kind of the the danger of success, the danger of success. what we can fall into as followers of Jesus, as people whose hearts are after God, even as we're talking about believing God for good things, that, there, there's, that we need to recognize there's a danger uh, in that. And so I want to look at this passage of Scripture, and then we'll look at the next chapter as well uh, to, to recognize some of those things. But Exodus chapter 32, and it says this in verse 1, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. The people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods, make us gods that shall go before us. 
For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Uh, how many of you know when somebody refers to you as this guy, Phil, this girl, how many of you know that's not a good thing? It, husbands, if your wife says this husband, if she's talking to somebody, this husband, uh, that's not, it's not a good moment, okay? So that's what's happening here. This Moses, uh, we don't know what's become of him. Verse 2, it says, And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Wow. I know this is a, a passage of Scripture that most of us are familiar with, but, but I don't know uh, if this still has the punch uh, that it should in our hearts, that, that it still hits you with the weight that it should. Uh, and if not, I just want to remind you the context of this passage of Scripture. God had uh, chosen Abraham, chosen his descendants, that he was going to bless them. He ended up bringing them out of slavery. And here we find this passage of Scripture. They've just come out of slavery. They had been for 400 years, Israel had been in slavery under Pharaoh, under hard labor. Uh, I mean, it was a horrific uh, life that, that God's people were in. And God redeemed them. God rescued them. God brought them out. And they've come out. They've come across the Red Sea. Now they're in the wilderness. They're moving forward towards this land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, so not only did God bring them out of bondage, but God is, has promised to them that He's going to bring them into blessing. And, and so they've come out of bondage, and now they're headed towards blessing, and here they are in the wilderness. Here they are moving towards the good things that God had for them. They have a promise. They have a future. They have a hope. They have a destiny. God's blessed them in incredible ways. I mean, they've just come through the Red Sea. How many of you think, you know, if, if God parted water and you walked through, how many of you think that that would, like, have some sort of lasting impact on your life? <laughs> that, that would have some sort of enduring effect on the way that you lived, the way you viewed God. Well, I, I would think so. Not only that, but God also provided for them as they left Egypt. In fact, as they left Egypt, the Bible says that they took the, the, the gold of Egypt with them. So here they are. They have just been slaves in bondage for 400 years, for multiple generations. Now God's delivered them, brought them out. They're headed into the promised land. Moses goes up on the mountain to get the law from God, and he's there 40 days, and they get tired of waiting. They get tired of waiting. After 400 years in bondage, they go, this Moses guy, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I don't think that uh, we're headed in the right direction. And so they go to Aaron, and they said, Aaron, you're his brother. You're the priest. You've been anointed to be the priest. Uh, Aaron, we don't know what's happened to Moses. We want you to help us. We, we want you to make us a god. Make us a god. And, and Aaron says to them, I want you to take off your golden earrings. I want you to bring them to me. Now, this was millions of people just so that you remember the scale of how many golden earrings they were bringing. I mean, this was a, a lot of wealth. Aaron brought it together. He melted it down, and he made a golden calf, and he said to Israel, Israel, here's your God who brought you out of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope I would be the guy who would be like, um, I got a problem with this. I hope I'd be that guy. But apparently, there's not a whole lot of people speaking up at this moment. There, there's nobody that comes 
forward at this moment and says, no, that is not our God. That is a false God. In fact, not only did nobody come forward, but at this moment, the Bible says that they, they went on even with religious activity. They were dancing before it. They were sacrificing before it. They were even having uh, what we would call maybe a charismatic worship service before it. I mean, they looked very spiritual, very religious. The only problem is it was not God that they were worshiping. It was not God. And again, I want to focus your attention on where did this gold come from? Where did the gold come from? This was gold that God had given to them. This was gold that God had given to them as they came out of Egypt. He gave them. I mean, it, it, God would have been enough if it had just been his presence. But because he's so good, he said, I'm just going to bless you as you go. I'm going to provide for you as you go. You know, if God, all God ever gave us was his presence, that would be enough. But God's so good, he just loves to bless us with good things. That's what... Uh, the scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. But here, the thing that was a good thing that God had given to them, now they have taken that good thing and they have turned a good thing into a God. Lowercase g. They turned the good thing into a God thing. A false God thing. And that is the danger of success. The danger of success is that we can take the good things that God gives us, and He loves to give us good things, but the danger of success or of, you know, whatever success looks like. Every one of us have, has a different, perhaps, vision of success or, or maybe a different experience of success. I don't know for you, maybe it's the job. Uh, maybe it's the house, maybe it's the ministry, maybe it's the car, maybe it's the family, maybe it's the spouse, maybe it's whatever it is, some good thing, and all of those things come from God. But the danger is that we take the good things and we turn them into God, and we begin what I would call the cycle of success, the cycle of success. And I want to show you this cycle of success that is um, my little artwork there. And uh, this, we, we see this again and again throughout Israel's history. Um, and, and as God brought them out of slavery, for Israel, perhaps this story picked up at the bottom, brought them out of slavery. I could add another S in there. And slavery produces sorrow or suffering produces sorrow. This service is brought to you by the letter S, by the way. But slavery produces suffering. Suffering produces sorrow. Sorrow causes us to cry out. And the Bible says that as Israel was in bondage and slavery, they came under the oppression of Pharaoh. They cried out to God. And the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy that God heard their cry. Have you ever found yourself in that place where you cry out to God? You, oftentimes it's when you reach the end of your rope and there's, you have nothing left to do, nothing left to try, and you say, oh God, help me. And God is so faithful that when we call on Him, when we cry to Him, that He saves us. He's a Savior. He's a Redeemer. And He brings us out of bondage as He brought Israel out of bondage. And now they've gone from being slaves now to being this wealthy army of people moving through the wilderness and moving into this land flowing with milk and honey. But the salvation produced the success, the good things that God had for them. And here's the problem with success, that oftentimes success produces or leads to selfishness. It's the slippery slide of success. How many of you know it's easy to cry out to God? When you got nothing else to look to. When there's problems and difficulty, you're in bondage. Oh, God, help me. Suddenly, you, you develop a prayer life. Suddenly, you get real spiritual. 
in those moments. But then when life starts to go pretty good and things are working well and, and you've arrived, you've made it, you've got the promotion, I'm in the job, I'm in the spot, I'm in the place, I'm, I'm in the zone, this is, this is where I want to be, I'm now successful. And we can begin to depend on our own success. We can begin to look to ourselves. And God specifically warned Israel about that. He said, when I bring you into this land that I've promised you, don't say to yourselves, our strength has done this for us. We have done this. Remember, it's the Lord. Remember, it's the Lord. And here we see Israel doing the exact thing that God had commanded them not to do. Had commanded them not to do. And, you know, I know we can read this. We see them bowing to a golden calf, and we can think, I mean, how ridiculous. How crazy is that? But how many of you know that's kind of the habit of humanity? It's the habit of humanity. The cycle of success is the way that we all tend to default towards. John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol factory. It, 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 turn, it tends to produce graven images. And, and I don't know what that temptation may be for you. It could be success in your job. It could be success in your family. It could be su- success in your finances. But so many times we fall into this cycle of success leading to selfishness we begin to serve the thing that God gave to us. So no, no longer are we seeking God. God, I can't seek you. Do, do you know how many hours I have to work? Do you know how much I have to do? Do you know the responsibility I have? I, I, can't, I can't seek you. I've got so, so much going on. Selfishness begins to creep in. And selfishness leads to sin. And sin leads to slavery. And slavery produces suffering and sorrow, and we cry out to God once again, or hopefully we cry out to God once again. This is the, this is the pattern that success often produces. Now, I'm not against success. I'm not against the good things that God has for us. God loves to give us good things, but there is, there is a danger. There is a danger in that. And then even as, as Moses came down from the mountain and he dealt with the children of Israel, and he, you can read it, I'll let you, let you read that. But here's what God said to the children of Israel, or said to Moses in Exodus 33, verse 3. He says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you're a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard the bad news, they mourned and no one put on their ornaments. So I want you to notice that God said to them, I'm going to fulfill the promise that I've given to you. I've told you I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do what I've said that I will do. I'm still going to give you these good things. But here's what he said, I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to go with you. And I think in that we see the picture of what I would call superficial success. We get, the, we get the promised land. We get the good things. We get the blessing. But we lose the thing that ultimately matters most. God said, you can still have the promised land because I love you. I'm still gracious towards you. I'm still going to bless you. But I can't go with you. I, I'm not going with you lest I destroy you. God says, I'm going to send you to the promised land, but my presence will not go with you. How many of you know not everything that looks successful is successful? Not everything that looks like it's killing it and crushing it is. It can, it can be superficial success. I was talking with somebody earlier about, I, I, I forget his name, but the founder of Zappos who started this company, wrote a a book, which it was a great book called Delivering Happiness. And he was a billionaire, sold his company to Amazon outwardly by all metrics that that the world would look at. They would say, this guy is successful delivering happiness. Hey, I read the book. I read the book. Outwardly, he was successful, but inwardly, there, there was, it was the promised land without the presence. 
It was the blessing without, without the blesser. It was the good life without God. And that's the original temptation from the garden. You can have the good life without God. And you may even use God to get the good life, but as soon as you've got the good life, thank you, God, I'm no longer needing your services. I'll still go through the religious motions. I'll still look like I'm serving you, but I actually just want what you give me. I just actually want you to give me things because I actually love things more than I love you. I actually love where this dream, this promise that you gave me, I actually love that more than I love you. And that's the danger for all of us. I'm not saying that as a criticism of you. I'm, I'm saying we all can fall into it. It is superficial success. You go, you'll, you'll go into the land flowing with milk and honey. You're still going to have the good life, but I won't go with you. Jesus said it this way. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Let me tell you, there is a success that is greater than money, that is greater, and, and obviously this is not just about money, but there's a su success that's greater than the success that the world would champion. The world would say, if you just get this, then you'll be satisfied. And Jesus is saying, no, you can have that. You can gain the whole world. You can be thriving in whatever metric the world uses for success, whatever subculture, whatever environment that you're in, however they define success, you can have all of that. But you can have a poverty of soul. You can be empty on the inside. Because my presence won't go with you. I want you to recognize, as God talks about my presence, uh, it's important to recognize that there is a difference between God's omnipresence and God's manifest presence. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. The psalmist says, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. That's the omnipresence. But it's the manifest presence, the special presence that satisfies the longing of our soul. And that's what he's saying. My, my manifest presence will not go with you. You see, this all started for Israel with the presence of God. This all started with that promise that you're going to be my people. I'll be your God. I'll go with you. And as time went on, their hearts began to drift. So what's the solution? What's the solution to this cycle of success that so many people find themselves caught in, well, Moses shows us the, the, the solution for the cycle of success. That's a tongue twister. The solution of the cycle of success in verse 7 of Exodus 33, the Bible says this, that Moses, look at this, Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. If you read the context of this story, you know that just before they began to build the golden calf, God was giving to Moses the instructions for building the tabernacle, the place where they would worship God and sacrifice to God, that the presence of God would come. And God was instructing Moses of how they would build this tabernacle that would sit at the center of God's people. As they began to build the false God, the golden calf. But what I want you to see is that Moses said, even if nobody else is worshiping God, I'm still going to worship God. I'm going to go to the tent of meeting. I would say it this way. It was the, the place of sacrifice. You see, the, the danger of success is selfishness, but the solution for success is sacrifice. 
How do we deal with the own fallenness of our soul that leads us to produce idols out of the good things? The way we deal with it is we go to the place of sacrifice. You see, it's sacrifice that breaks the cycle of success that could turn us towards good things rather than God. And Moses says, even before there's a tabernacle, even before there is the environment that God had designed for his presence to dwell, even before they had that, he's saying, even if nobody else goes, I'm going to the place of, uh, of sacrifice. I will sacrifice to the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord. And sacrifice broke the cycle of success from leading to selfishness. You see, as, as we're believing God for good things, even as a church, I'm telling you, God has good things for us. I hope you believe that. I hope you don't just believe it here. I hope it gets not just in your heart. I hope it gets in your emotions. I hope you get happy when you think about what God has for us. I have to tell you, even this week after morning prayer this week, um, I had to get wiper blades for my car and uh, I went to the advanced auto parts. I was leaving our, the future open house, and I left there. I had to go get wiper blades for my car. I went to the advanced auto parts at the corner of Lee Road and Edgewater. I thought I should probably go someplace here in the, in the community. And I went, and I started talking to the manager there. I was, I was buying the uh, wipers, and I said, let me ask you a question. What's your experience here in the, in the neighborhood? And he shared with me a little bit. And I said, well, we're actually, we've just bought a building up the road. We're a, we're a church and he said, oh, my goodness. He said, I'm so glad for you to be here. He said, we need what you're doing. I began to share with him the vision of the open house. And, uh, Marcia, you know, we've talked about uh, Edgewater to I-4 along Lee Road. And we're just saying, God, give us that territory. Let this become a place where your goodness, your glory is manifest so that everybody goes, what's happening on Lee Road? What's God doing? What's, I don't even know it's God. What are they doing on Lee Road? Well, God's doing something on Lee Road. And I left there, I think, wow, God's doing something. Here we go to the manager, and he says, tell me what I can do. He's telling me anything I can do to help. I just said, man, God, come on. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. I was so excited about what God was doing. God has good things for us. God has a great future. God has a great plan for your life, for your family, for, your, uh, for, for everything that pertains to you. He has good things for you. But we can't allow the good things to become God. We can't be driven by a taskmaster of enslavement to success. And sacrifice is the solution. So Moses says this, I'm going to go to the place of sacrifice. I'm going to go to the place of sacrifice, the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. And as we enter into this temple season, the tent of meeting was really the first place where God's presence was manifest in a, in a special way. That glory that had been revealed throughout time now was manifest in a place. Ultimately, this tent of meeting became the tabernacle, which led to the temple, which was all foreshadowing the person of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit available to us through the church. But Moses says, I'm going to go to the place of sacrifice. And as we're in this temple season, what are we talking about? We're talking about sacrificing to God, sacrificing the good things that God has given us so that we don't make an idol out of the good things. And I want to show you a few things that Moses sacrificed that I believe God calls us all to sacrifice in order to not fall into the trap of success. The first thing I want you to see that Moses sacrificed is this. Moses sacrificed his comfort. Moses sacrificed his comfort. Notice the scripture says, in verse 7, Exodus 33, 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. Uh, in other words, Moses is saying, if nobody else is going to do the tabernacle, I'm going to do the tabernacle. If we're not going to build a tabernacle, I'm going to take my house, and my house will become a tabernacle. And notice what it says, he took his house Outside the camp, outside of his comfort zone, outside of what was familiar, outside of what was easy, outside of the camp, 
far from the camp. I don't know if you can see Moses. I don't know what his tent looked like, but he took his tent. That's what my tent looks like. He took took his tent. And he walked far from the camp. How many of you like to camp? Some of you like to camp. I I, I like to camp. I like to camp. Um, But this wasn't even just his tent. This would have been his house. What's he doing? He's disrupting his whole life. He's disrupting his comfort zone. And he's saying, you know what? God, I'm not satisfied. I don't want to go in to the promised land if your presence isn't with me. I don't want success more than I want you. And if it means me sacrificing my comfort, I'll I'll, I'll pick up my house. I'll move my house. How many of you know moving is a hassle? Anybody ever made it? Anybody, it's your life goal to never move again. Well, God, say that. God may move you. I don't know. But it's a hassle. It's a lot of work. Moving is not comfortable. What was he doing? He was sacrificing his comfort. I'll get my tent, and I'm going to move it far from the camp. It was sacrifice, sacrificing his comfort. You know, one thing that happens when you move, I don't know if you realize this, but you start realizing a lot of stuff that you've accumulated. You know, moving, one good thing about moving is if you move on a regular basis, you just declutter. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like therapy, just moving and decluttering some some stuff. And, And you begin to see some things that you've accumulated along the way. Or maybe some things that you've learned to live with over time and didn't realize you had. I mean, you want to get to know somebody, just help them move. You know what I'm seeing? You're seeing all the dust. You're seeing all the dirt. You're seeing all the the stuff. It's not pretty when you move, right? I mean, you're sweating. There's no pretty way to move. There's no pretty way to move. It's just uncomfortable. You know who your real friends are when it comes to to moving time. Anybody moving and you just want to sign up some people today? (laughs) Anybody moving? No? Okay. Oh, mom and dad. Yeah, y'all are moving. You gave the testimony a couple of weeks ago. Now it's sign up day, right? Sign up. Uh, You got four sons. I guess that's what we're there for. But you can't move pretty. It's ugly. It's uncomfortable. It's sweaty. It's dirty. You begin to see some things. You go, why do we even have that? That's what Moses was doing. And when we go to the tent of meeting, when we we do what we're going to do in this season, setting aside sacrificial time to seek the Lord, we begin to see some things that we've learned to live with. We begin to see there may be some attitudes that come up that, that anybody like me, you just don't like fasting? I don't like fasting. I like to eat. Man shall not live by bread alone. You need butter too. You need some <laughs> other things on top of it. But when when I, it's the strangest thing when I don't eat, I, I just, I'm not that nice. I'm sorry if that shocks you. I'm not that nice. And I'd like to blame it on something else around me. But what is that? That's just, that's just my flesh coming out. <laughs> That's just the things, the clutter, the dirt, the dust, the old human ways that just begin to kind of clutter up. And Moses said, I'm going to get out of this comfort zone. I'm just going to get out. I don't want to be successful if I don't have the presence of God. I'm willing to sacrifice my comfort. You know, a move of God is always preceded by a group of people that are willing to move before God moves. I don't know about you, but my heart gets so stirred when I read the history of the church, when I read the stories of, call it revival, call it renewal, call it refreshing, call it a visitation. I don't, want, I don't care what you call it, just count me in. I want the presence of God. And normally what happens, the pattern is there's a few people that have said, I'm willing to get uncomfortable. I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone to pursue God. 
me ask you this. Are you willing to, you don't have to answer this, but are you willing to sacrifice your comfort? I can't wait till we have a building where we don't have to set up and tear down every week. I can't wait to have a building where we don't have to use energy to recreate every week, but it's, it's just a lot more comfortable. Now, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with comfort? Just don't make an idol out of it. And what God is, uh, if we have a building that is comfortable and beautiful, but we don't have the presence of God, we've got nothing. We need the presence of God. And so what we're doing is saying, God, at the beginning of this year, we thank you, God, you've got good things for us. God, thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us into a land flowing with milk and honey, a place where we can be a blessing to the world around us. But God, we need you. More than anything, we need permits, but God, we need you more than we need permits. We need the presence of God. And he was willing to sacrifice his comfort. He was willing to sacrifice his comfort. Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort for the presence of God? The second thing that he sacrificed is Moses sacrificed his agenda. He says in Exodus 33, verse 15, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, God, we're not going to continue with this progress, progressing in this work. We're not going to continue if you're not with us. We're going to stop right here. We're going to pause our agenda. I don't know if there's anybody like me, but anybody here you like progress? Anybody like just checking something off a to-do list? Come on, that's just feel. Anybody ever, you just make a checklist. On stuff that doesn't even need a checklist because you just want to feel good. It's therapy. I mean, just check it off. It just feels good. Moses was that kind of guy. I mean, he's leading millions of people. How many of you know he had a big agenda, a big work? I'm, I've got to get this people into the promised land. Not only was it a, an important work, but it was God-given. It was God-given. He was a man on a mission. Type A, driven, we're going to get these, these people into the promised land. I don't know about you, I like progress. And I don't like things that slow me down from the progress. Jen and I often talk about things, I call it sideways energy. She likes to redecorate things in the house. She likes to change things. And I'm like, let's just set it and leave it. Imagine what we could do with that energy if we're moving forward. And life would be very productive and very boring if we did what I did and wanted to do all the time. But, but here Moses is saying, I'm, I'm stopping on my agenda. I, I care more about your presence, God, than I care about the progress. I hope, you're, I hope you have a drive in you at the beginning of this year. I hope there's things that you're believing God for. I hope there's vision. I hope there's desire to see your life move forward. But more important than your agenda for progress is the presence of God. And he said, God, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to make progress. I'm not going to move forward. I'm not, I'm not going to lead the people. I'm willing to be unproductive if I can have your presence rather than looking productive, looking successful, and losing your presence. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to sacrifice your agenda? I hope you have goals and vision. I hope you have things that you're believing God for and that you're trying to accomplish this year. Maybe it's in your vocation. Maybe it's in your family. But are you willing to sacrifice your agenda? He sacrificed, number one, his comfort. Number two, he sacrificed his agenda. And the third thing I want you to see is that Moses sacrificed his time. Moses sacrificed his time. Look at Exodus 33, verse 11. It says that as Moses went to the tabernacle or went, went to the tent of meeting, it says, so the Lord spoke to Moses, look at this, face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. How does a man speak to his friend? How do friendships form? Friendships are not driven by an agenda. Friendships are not rushed. 
friendships take time. Businessmen rush, no offense to businessmen, but businessmen rush, friends linger. Friends move slowly. Friendship is formed in lingering and learning to linger. The Bible says of Moses, this man who had tremendous responsibility, had millions of people waiting on him. And he says, I'm just going to speak to God. I'm not going to rush. I'm not just going to say, God, you got five minutes. I'm going to say, God, I'm here. I, I care about you. I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to spend time with you. We had this week, I don't know where the microphone is. Does anybody, you got that, Nate? Um, in our prayer time this morning, we had an awesome word that came. And I want to ask Matt Hammer uh, to come up and just to share this word that God gave him. As we were praying, I just felt like, man, this is a word from God that the church needs to hear. He didn't know what was on my heart to preach, and he didn't know that we were going to both wear denim jackets, but it's just <laughs> moving it together. So, Matt, would you share that In word? Sync the Lord with the Spirit. You That's, know, right. Clear. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, so this was actually a word that came to me on Wednesday morning prayer, and I think we're going to have some more times we of are, prayer yeah. coming up these next few weeks. But um, as we were praying, the, the word speed of the Spirit just kept coming to me. Speed of the Spirit, speed of the Spirit, speed of the Spirit. And the more that I thought about it, my mind instantly went to quickness. Hmm. It went to instantaneous. You know, you think of the speed of sound. You think of the speed of light. That's kind of as fast as we can comprehend something. We put it into the perspective of the speed of light. Hmm. Um, when a rocket ship goes past the, the sound barrier, it makes this sonic boom. And so that's what my mind was originally thinking of was this this God's even faster than that. God's mm -hmm. an instant God, and he yeah. moves and changes things without regards to time. I mean, when you look at the definition of speed from a physics standpoint, <laughs> it's really a function of, of distance and time. Uh -huh. And God doesn't really work in that whole yeah. same paradigm yeah. as, as we do. But um, as we were praying at the, at the building, I was just picturing people coming into the cafe and the speed of the Spirit just mm. hitting them instantly. And from whatever they brought into that place in an instant, they would be totally transformed. They would mm -hmm. encounter the presence of God, yeah. and they wouldn't be the same person mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. No matter what they brought in, yeah. they were just going to be instantly changed. Yeah. And as we continued to pray, I also realized that God's not only an instant change, but he's also a slow God from what we can kind, and what we can kind of think of as slow. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of the, the passage when... Lazarus had died, a person that was very dear to him and his friends, and they brought the news to Jesus, and they said, hey, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. What are you going to do about it? And Jesus, what did he do? Did he go instantly with the rush of society and go and, and, mm. and change the circumstances? No, it says he waited two right. days yeah. before he went. And so you can, when he came onto the scene, of Lazarus' death, death, he was actually in the tomb. They had sealed the tomb. And all the people were like, hands on their hips, Jesus, you could have prevented this whole thing from mm. happening. Mm. And so, but Jesus said, no, that's, that's not, I don't work under the same confines that you guys work under. Yeah. And that's what the speed of the Spirit is. is he doesn't work on the same confines as what we understand. Yeah. And so sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. But what we can't let it do is to weary us in the process. And I feel like the word today is to people that are in waiting. So when you look at a paradigm of time, it's a linear progression that we have. But we know that in the beginning, God said it was good. He yeah. is the alpha. That's he right. is the omega. That's right. He says it a bunch of different ways. Yeah. He says, I, it, I am... I am. I'm yeah. constant. Yeah. He says, I am the beginning, I'm the end, I'm the yeah. author, I'm the finisher. Yeah. He says, I am who, who was and is and is to come. And so mm -hmm. he's just saying that like, along your journey, as you wait for the promise to come to be, don't lose, fact, don't lose faith in the fact that I'm good That's right. in the beginning, yeah. and the ending is good. Yes. And so even though in the journey it may not happen the way that we want it to or the speed in which we want it to, because we know that the author and the finisher is good, we can have confidence along the way. Yeah. And I think the word is supposed to be encouraging to us because there are some people that are waiting yeah. right now. They're waiting for their promise. They're waiting for their 
their answer. They're waiting for their healing. They're waiting for their provision. They're waiting for these things, and, and you, there may be some weariness. Mm. Hey, we, me and Sarah, right now are waiting for an answer to our prayer, mm. and our daughter Ella is sick, mm. and she's got this lingering sickness that hasn't gone away, and we get a little bit weary every night. She wakes up in the middle of the night crying, and it's, it's so sad to see your daughter in a, in a, in a situation when you can't do anything except pray and trust God, because you, if we, if it was up to us, as quick as the light goes on in the switch and the light comes on, we'd want her situation to change. But God has a purpose. The beginning is good. The ending is good. And we need to have confidence along the way. But also, so to the encouragement of endurance Mm. is, is what I think he's wanting to say. But also, I think God wants to say, just like he said to Lazarus when he was in the tomb, come out, Lazarus. He called to him. He brought the speed of the spirit into the situation and totally transformed everybody's paradise. Everybody said, don't open the grave. It's going to be stinky. It's going to be smelly. But God, Jesus, ushered in and called to the speed of the spirit and instantly changed the circumstances. And so I'm saying right now as a prophetic declaration, Come out, provision. Come out, healing. Come out, miracle. Bring these things to be right now under the authority of Jesus Christ. Whatever you're dealing with, we speak in faith. Come out. Bring it to be right now in the name of Jesus. We declare the speed of the Spirit for that instantaneous change. And any bitterness that might be piled up in people because they haven't seen the promise happen as quickly as they want it, we say get out. Let's just put that aside. Let's have trust and confidence in the in the fact that God is good in the beginning. He's good in the end. We know how this whole thing ends. Yes. So I just I just believe that God wants to provide us with hope endurance and when we have confidence in him um we can have um just peace along the way yeah so awesome thank you awesome amen matt thank you so much man thank you so much i want to ask everybody if you would just to stand to your feet